You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is I, Adil Royster of Liberty Ballers. I'm joined by David Early, also of Liberty Ballers. You're listening to a Liberty Ballers podcast network podcast. It is the Out of Sight podcast. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Dave, um, I, I guess I'd had to remind people like where we work and where we can find this podcast. I guess that was my thing today. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? How you <laughs> always helpful how you doing dave i'm well how are you doing i'm all right just uh braving the little spike in heat a little bit you know yeah and uh not not only that but i had a I had a fun weekend uh philly pride festival was on sunday uh so for all that uh identify with that community want to wish you a very happy pride month for the month of june this is the first podcast we're recording for the month so we just want to shout out all of our lgbtqia plus listeners subscribers we love you we see you we and want you to get pod hosts and former, and pod, former guests. pod hosts yes yes guests uh all the... of you yeah <laughs> but uh yeah in, enjoy yourselves uh do so safely as always but uh yeah we'll we'll just keep it rolling just keep it moving uh, lots of happenings on the site this week. Uh, first, let's touch on the Shams report that Sam Cassell is joining the Celtics as an assistant coach, to which my first response was, God damn it, why? Well, how did the risk just keep getting richer? For Christ's sake, Boston. Yeah, a lot of uh, fans I saw on some Twitter polls voted Sam as their hopeful replacement for Doc. Uh, he's been a popular hopeful replacement over the years, actually. Um, I actually had a different reaction as you. I, I didn't think it was um, the worst thing I, I ever heard. I, I was hoping that he wouldn't go to Boston of all places, but I sort of saw his departure as an in inevitability once Nurse came on board because, you know, he's been seen as Doc's right-hand man since 2014. He's admittedly not been a huge fan of analytics so I know that he's been instrumental in the development of Tyrese Maxey, and we've seen those clips of him and James Harden practicing. They'll definitely miss him, um, but I didn't expect him to be back. And I'm not sure that it's going to be devastating if Nurse can just hire his own 
staff with a clean, fresh start. But to have to be Boston, couldn't have been like Oklahoma. <laughs> and that's a, that's a good point because we have the new guy coming in, Nick Nurse, and we talked about it on the podcast last week where it's kind of important that Nick Nurse is able to hire his guys, guys that will buy into his coaching style, his coaching vision, how he and Daryl would like to include analytics on a level that Doc maybe not didn't want to. So from that aspect, I kind of understand it. So I guess good luck, Sam. Yeah, good luck, Sam. You know he had a great playing career, and he's been an assistant for a long time. He's interviewed for a lot of head coaching jobs. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets one. I've already seen people speculating that if there is a world where Joe Missoula gets canned in the middle of the year, Sam might be someone they have in mind as a good interim uh, to let the team finish. I'd find that a little bit funny because you know Brad Stevens does love analytics, so if he suggested less mid-range pull-ups from Tatum, <laughs> To Sam, Sam might have a, you know, you might see steam coming out of his ears. So it'll be uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> this is yeah, something. I, I like, that... I let me just say one more thing. Go ahead. I like the idea that they are cleaning house because this is something that Sixers, many of you listening will know. We've had PTSD about in the past when they hired Colangelo and the Burnergate stuff came out. They said, we want a new GM who's going to work with everyone on Colangelo's staff. And that wasn't good enough for a guy like David Griffin, who wanted more final say, you know? Yeah. And when Daryl came on board, he didn't get to pick his own coach. He didn't fire the GM in Elton Brand. You know, I don't think that was even a possibility. Elton hired Daryl. Uh, and Elton was the guy who supposedly, even though you and I would say he probably didn't have that much to say, oversaw the disastrous 2019 offseason. Uh, other guys like Ned Cohen are still there. So the Sixers do have this sort of theme where it's like, we're going to give you some of our last guys who didn't work out and hope that you can work with them because we just want to keep them. And maybe this is at least somewhat of a departure from that that we have is this kind of a turning of the corner from that mindset then or you know are is is josh harris and elton brand still going to be like uh can, can you hire some of our guys or is it just going to be like no daryl nick like this is your show run it yeah i think for sure like elton's still there cohen's still there there's some other guys still there from the Colangelo and collaborative days, right? But I think, which is just face palmingly frustrating. But yeah, but yeah, I think maybe those guys are actually helpful now, and Daryl sees it that way, or maybe he just wouldn't even dare to suggest getting rid of guys he knows Josh Harris is in love with. Um, but at least for Daryl's team now, it seems like he's finally going to get a fresh start. Um, again, Doc was hired before him, so this is his first coach. And you'd like to see the coach be able to pick whoever he wants. And if he wants people who are obsessed with analytics instead of resistant to it, maybe that works for the better once you've hired Daryl Morey in the first place, like Mr. Morey Ball. Right. And as just going back to Sam and his head coaching possibility, like this is this is something I'm always on my soapbox about. But I was kind of hoping somebody would take a chance on Sam as a head coach. Like, you know, what what are the what are the wizards doing where it's just like oh we can't take a chance on Sam Cassell 
like what are some of these other teams like what <laughs> like the Detroit Pistons like what are you guys doing that you can't take a chance on Sam Cassell Charlotte Hornets what are you guys doing that you can't take a chance on Sam Cassell and it's just I I'm I'm tired of the retreads you know what I mean like let's give some of these new guys a chance uh, it's not impossible and this is something that's you know, some of us have talked about a little bit offline. Some of the candidates do have a past that you look into and you see some of these articles. I know that allegation is not remotely the same as conviction, but if you've got more than one accusation on your resume, maybe that stuff, maybe when teams do their homework, there's something there that if hired, you remember how awkward it was when the Portland Trailblazers had Jonesy Bailiffs. Yeah, and so maybe there's something there that teams are like, you know, if we hire this guy, some stuff's going to come out. I, I don't know, but it's just well, – it it is odd how frequent it is that coaches with a, with a history get hired. So there's, there's also the history of, you know, coaches wanting players that they used to uh, coach on the, on the sidelines. And it was – I believe it was Brian. Yeah, Brian Toporek. Uh, penned a piece about how the Sixers could swing a Fred Van Vliet sign and trade this offseason. Yes. And I, Van Vliet himself kind of hinted at that possibilities. And that's why I was like, wait, really? Like, this is something that could actually happen. So here's what Brian had to say. Hypothetically, let's say Van Vliet was willing to agree to a four year, $120 million contract with the Sixers. Add that to the 121.4 in guaranteed salary, and the um, Sixers would be about 150 in salary. And going through all of the spot track nonsense, I'm just wondering, I'm just looking, especially after Denwell House picked up his four and a half million dollar player option. Just, I don't, how does that work monetarily, you know? Because it would have to be. Van Vliet to Philly, the Rockets probably get hardened. Well, not probably. They would definitely get hardened. But what does Toronto get back in that situation? Yeah. To, uh, if they could cook up, I think Ramona Shelburne, maybe on the Gargano show, was it? Where she just said, basically, like, if, if Harden went back to Houston, the Sixers would have to entice the Rockets to take a second or more in order to grant Philadelphia a traded player exception, and that's maybe the cleanest route to getting a guy like this. Um, and then you give Masai Ujiri some stuff he'd want for Fred. If Fred didn't want to be there anymore, maybe he didn't want to pay Fred long-term anyway and felt he was going to lose him. It's pretty complicated, but if there were any way, shape, or form where you learned Harden is leaving you, but you could find a way to get Van Vliet and also turn Tobias Harris into a couple useful players. I mean, that would be a win in a tough situation in my book. That's decent. I would, I would very, I would support that return if I'm being totally honest. On the other hand, if you could, if it took Harris to get that to happen, and now you're losing Harden and Harris, and only getting Van Vliet, and just spending a lot less on the team overall, or maybe also wrangling up a twelve million dollar taxpayer exception instead of the five million dollar i might have said that wrong but the bigger exception instead of the smaller exception right so it, it starts to get complicated especially when you think about paul reed and george niang and jalen mcdaniels are these guys gonna be back 
and it all hinges on that first big bearded domino, right? With Van Fleet, are we concerned at all about his minutes usage in Toronto? Close to 37 a game the last three seasons. Granted, he's averaged 20 plus and has shot close to or better than 35% from three. He was 36 in 2020, 2021. He was 37, 38 the season after that, but then dropped back down to closer to 34. Yes, health he's, is a concern for sure. He is 29, so he's definitely younger than Harden, so that's a plus. He's not going to go into Boston and win you a game. He's not going to drop 45 in a close game and hit and hit a game winner in the way that Harden is to beat maybe the best team in the league at the time in Boston. But between the defense he gives you and his uh, ability to his preference to shoot catch and shoot threes, um, you know, you might be able to come up with an arbitrage Harden that you actually prefer in some worlds. So I'm not against it. If if it happens and Daryl can get creative, great, because some of these alternatives where you don't get Van Vliet and Harden walks and all you're left with is bringing back your own guys and maybe $12 million to splash around with free agency, that gets really grim to the point where you're starting to think of punt years. Hard, yeah. and, be, and be rolled his ankle. Maybe he should miss 40 games and uh, get <laughs> – Van Vliet is about 6'1", 200, just about. Um, so, I don't know. that Does a small backcourt kind of give you pause a little bit like that with Maxi and Van Vliet in the backcourt like that? Or is Van Vliet good enough on defense where it's just like, all right, he's only 6'1", but screw it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I feel like the size thing probably wouldn't be the biggest deal. I mean, I know on paper – it's not what you're looking for. I remember talking about this with Knicks fans who were like, do we want Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, a six foot one backcourt? But on the other hand, if you're losing Harden, does the height really bother you if you're actually getting a better defender? You are getting a better defender. Yeah. So what, what is the height costing you? I guess it's costing you Harden's ISO ability, which is quickly diminishing anyway. Um, but maybe it wouldn't have to under Nick nurse and maybe a lot of what we saw under doc would change maybe he doesn't have to average 37 minutes per game maybe they could prioritize the playoffs maybe they could find some way to get him to want to go out and party less i have no idea <laughs> just less just fewer parties among uh sixer starters like that yeah. would be awesome <laughs> like fewer fewer vegas trips that would be nice <laughs> Uh, we're going to step aside real quick, uh, pay some of the ad sponsors here in just a second. Going to come back where you got some NBA finals talk. And then we are go we got to talk. We got to talk Jimmy again since he's in the finals. He always comes up on this on this dang website every week. It's always something with Jimmy. Like he's, he's always in the final four. He lives rent free in Sixers fan braindom. Like it's 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 I'm happy for him, but it's also kind of frustrating because God damn it. But anyway. We'll be back after these words. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Out of Sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. It is June 6th and we are approaching game three of the NBA finals. It is right now tied at one apiece. Denver won game one last Thursday, 104-93. The Heat came back and won 111-108 yesterday or Sunday due to just great performance once again by standouts like Caleb Martin and uh, Gabe Vincent, Max Drews kicking in 14 points. And, you know. Duncan Rob Himson. Duncan Rob Himson, yes. (laughs) But. How are you feeling about the final so far? Like, I've enjoyed both games, I got to say. Really good. Uh, my friend texted me at one point when Denver was up double digits last night. And he was like, I hate to say this, but would a Celtics Nuggets finals have been more fun? And I was like, Sacrilege. no, 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 it would not. It. It, it would not be fun for us. It would not be fun for us. I am, in any I am so happy and relieved still that the Celtics are out because every time that they don't win a championship, it's at least a tiny bit of solace to my Sixers pain. <laughs> um, so, so winnable that game six was the one you and I talked about. The Sixers had a chance. I went back over the weekend and I actually brought myself and rewatched game six, Sixers Celtics at home. Uh, and it why was would so, you do that to yourself? I just needed to see some of what went wrong and what really happened. And just, I don't know. Um, my buddy also asked me this interesting question. If the salaries were equal, who would you prefer Van Vliet or Gabe Vincent? Uh, that's, that's tough. In a vacuum, I would probably say Van Vliet. He does have the history of better performance. And there's also the part of it that's like, if Vincent left South Beach and the heat culture, would he turn into a pumpkin on your team? Yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. A thousand percent. But but he is probably a better knockdown shooter. And maybe the health concerns are less. He's only 26, I think. But anyway, um, yeah, man. It's just I- Im- impossible to watch Jimmy Butler go to the finals two times in four years since he left Philly and not just think about what might have been. I would like to point out to everybody that said that uh, no one would watch a Heat Nuggets finals. Uh, this is from uh, Ben uh, Cafardo uh, at ESPN. Final started off strong as game one averaged 12 million viewers across ABC and ESPN two. It peaked with about 13 million viewers at 1030 Eastern. Uh, people are watching these finals, folks. I'm sorry. Like, this is a great series so far. Is the NBA trying to follow the uh, NFL's, like, even Kansas City versus Green Bay is big ratings? I mean, listen, well, the, the NFL is different because with, Can- with Kansas City, you get Pat Mahomes. So that's that's a little bit different. So I don't know if that analogy works. Yeah, they, they've got this sort of ideal where it really doesn't matter what team what teams play as long as it's a great game, I guess. The Nuggets could the Nuggets could have tied that game on Sunday, but like Jimmy was just pounding Jamal Murray at that last possession, like coming across half court. I was like, uh, is Jamal gonna get a shot off him? Yeah, Jimmy's clearly limited. Uh, you know, Josh Hart 
flopped and flailed his legs in the middle of the paint and traffic in a play that I hate. Like I know Josh Hart was not making a dirty play. I know he was not trying to injure Butler, but he he was trying to flop in the middle of the paint, which is if you dive backwards in the paint and there's bodies everywhere and your legs go at the player you're guarding in order Mm -hmm. to to take that dive, something bad is going to happen. And we see Marcus smart make plays like this every few games in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, you weren't trying to hurt somebody, but you certainly weren't doing something that's safe. And so it would be better to me if the NBA was a little bit more punitive with dangerous flops because Butler's still not right. And he started to look better and better. His splits before and after that, he took that hit. And I know some of that is buttressed by how dominant he was, 56 points in one game against Milwaukee. But you watch him in the game uh, Monday, and he just doesn't have the same lift. He's not just simply cooking guys like Jamal Murray, who normally he would go directly by, right? And I, get a I lot would agree of free, with that. Get a lot of free throws. So I think he's gutting this out. Uh, he did tweak it in game seven against the Celtics. He was asked about that, and he said, basically, I'm not 100%, but nobody cares. And I think if they do want to win this series, they're going to need him to heal up somehow nobody's 100% by this stage of the NBA season. No, but if you saw his ankle, it was like, it was fat. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it it looked very painful. Yeah. Uh, sp- speaking of Jimmy, uh, you, my friend, posted something to the site uh, on June 1st, and it was kind of funny for me, just like going back and just like looking at all this history. Uh, it's just Shaq, Nash, Moses, Sixers allowing Jimmy Butler to walk is now one of the all-time free agent blunders. And I got to say, first of all, uh, after crying at my computer screen for about 20 minutes, so thanks for that, David. Um, I got to say, I I may be inclined to agree with you when you consider, I, you know, what wherever his head was at. Like, I don't know if he really wanted to stay in Philly. It sounded like he really wanted to stay the Sixers weren't willing to give him that fifth year. And that was what ultimately led to them giving Tobias the contract that he got. So when you look at Jimmy and what he's done in Miami, taking him to two finals since he's gotten there, I got to say, this is probably the most depressing Sixers bad beat that I can remember. Yeah, people used to say, what's the worst thing that happened? Is it the Markel Fultz pick? Is it this, is it that? Okafer, no, no, it's it's losing Butler, and it's the process of how that happened. And yeah, so, so often you hear someone say, Elton Brand messed it up, Brett Brown, Ben Simmons, they, cho- they had to choose Ben, and they did. I, I just don't understand the hesitancy to just say, this was Josh Harris's fault. He has the ultimate call. He could have went and found a guy like maybe Mike Zarin to run the show. Just throw a huge bag at him and say, we want you to be a GM with final say. We want you to fire everyone that we've got, if you'd like. If you want to fire Elton, that's fine, too. Just work with what we've got and do this the right way. And, I mean, you saw at the time, Daryl Morey was offering four picks to the Timberwolves to get Butler to Houston. And then he tried again his darndest to roll a red carpet out even without cap space exactly like pat riley did so if you're josh harris and you see okay maybe the two best gms in the sport are going all in to max jimmy butler 
but I kind of don't want him. And my team, Alex Rucker and whoever I was listening to, David Blitzer and Scott O'Neill and Ned Cullen and Mark Eversley and Elton Brand and Brett Brown and Ben Simmons. And these guys were saying, like, we'd rather Al Horford, who was 33, who just spent a full season dealing with patellofemoral pain syndrome. Like, And I could never rationalize the Al Horford signing other than, oh, we're getting Al Horford so he doesn't have to guard and beat in the playoffs. Like that's that's all it ever was rationalized for for me. Like I couldn't see any kind of path where Horford would be as effective or as useful offensively as Jimmy had been the season prior. Yeah, if if a team wanted him and overpaid for him and he went west, forget the, the other rumors, was it Dallas or Sacramento, someone would have overpaid him and he would have left the conference. You would have had checkmate because they would have just simply lost a very good player. Maybe they could have gotten him back the way they did from Oklahoma later, but it wouldn't have cost us a pick. And, and it all, wouldn't cost us Jimmy Butler. Yeah, all the speculation at the time from guys like Windhorse and Shams and I think – uh, was it Rachel Nichols, Ramona Shelburne, who said Jimmy's wa- he's wanted a team to want him for a full max. The Bulls didn't want him, and that hurt him. Minnesota had a chance to sign him to a four-year deal, but they didn't get rid of the players it would have took to make that happen. So he wants that fifth year, and then we got word that the Sixers wouldn't offer it. So all things being equal, if it was a two four-year deals, I believe he would have picked Miami. But if it was... Miami offers you a four-year deal and Philly offers you a five-year deal worth $200 million instead of 140. I think he would have taken it. Yeah. Said, I... Especially if you rolled out a red carpet and said, you, you get to pick a coach, you get the ball, you're our point guard, you're our closer, we need you. If it doesn't work out with you and Ben, we'll trade one of you. Right. And I think that was in, I was just about to bring up this paragraph, uh, quote, promise Jimmy a new coach, promise him the ball, promise Ben and his agent, Rich Paul, someone will be traded down the line if it fizzles, whatever it takes. And at, at that point, like, given the way Simmons was kind of like degrading a little bit, like Simmons would definitely be the one that get moved. And then you could definitely flip a young Simmons for pieces that could help bring uh, a title to the city yeah 2019 we were talking about i wasn't that the year the blazers were swept in the first round of the pelicans we were talking about like simmons for dame in those days yeah if you if it had if it came to it and you had to trade simmons i mean even after simmons game seven against atlanta you got james harden so if butler was in house and you had to trade ben two years before he melted down offensively in the playoffs you could have got a megaton. That was the move. Uh, and if Tobias didn't like it and wanted to leave, fine. But you throw money at him, too. And I don't think any of us would despise the Harris contract to the degree that we did if we had Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid together for the last four years. Right. I don't think anybody's really, like, batting an eye at the Tobias contract if the uh, if the benefit is that probably in a much better position to win a title. If, you're if, talking not, about... if not won one by then. Yeah, if you're talking about overpaying like your fourth option, he might be the best fourth option in the league at that point. That's also a good point because Joel is the clear number one. Jimmy's probably the two. Or the other to... way around. Let's because this might sound controversial with Joel 
in the top one or two of the MVP race every year. But since the bubble, Butler has been better if you weight it towards playoff tournament success. That's a good point. Maybe in the regular season, uh, Joel is the one, but in the playoffs, it's it's Jimmy. Jimmy's the one. Like offense goes through him. Yeah, or maybe it would be Joel because he wouldn't have had to work so hard in the regular season and wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> also, also true. Uh, I I will say of all the items on this list, like you you mentioned Shaq, obviously, and like that move to the Lakers. But I I I gotta be honest, like Orlando has. I don't want to say that, well, Orlando has somewhat recovered since then. Like they went to the finals with Dwight Howard and they're in this weird transition phase right now. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but with Jimmy losing Jimmy, like the Sixers have been kind of stuck in limbo since he left. It's, it's not, it's, it's just, not a great place to be. It's a historical blunder and there have been teams who didn't want to pay for a guy because they were cheap. I don't think yeah. that, that was I don't think that was the case here. I mean, let the record show they were not luxury taxpayers that year, but they were the next two years sub- subsequently. So, I mean, our owners are not cheap. That you know they're willing to pay. The the days of like selling second round picks are pretty much long gone once Mori arrived, right? So I would agree. I, I think the way I explain it is, you talk to Horford. Your team liked that idea enough. Horford said, "Yeah, I'll come for 108 million." <laughs> and of course, once, he will. Once you knew that, that's where Jimmy's own personal testimony to JJ starts to become salient. Because Jimmy says, "Someone came to me and said, can you control Jimmy?'" So maybe someone from the Sixers front office was like, "Look, we know that he's had some outbursts. We know that he's undermined the coach in front of the other players." We know that he's embarrassed Ben by yelling at him to shoot in the middle of games. We know that he's taken the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands, and Joel had a problem with that at times throughout. People forget. Your own Weitzman reminded us, like, Joel did not insist upon re-signing Jimmy. Rich Hoffman came on our pod, and he was like, yeah, Joel kind of just dipped after that summer and went on his own without a ton of input on what he wanted to happen. So if I were Joe, I would regret not pushing for that too. And... If he had, maybe they would have said, look, Joel really wants this guy. I don't know. But for some reason, they got it in their heads that they would be okay if he walked. Maybe you argued like, well, Josh Richardson doesn't mind shooting threes and his defense is <laughs> much, much worse than Jimmy's. And he doesn't have the same knee and ankle history or whatever. It, somehow it made sense to them. And a lot of fans got on board quickly. I wasn't one of them. I'm just as nauseous today as I was in 2019. Yeah, but Josh Richardson definitely was not him. That's that's for sure. <laughs> no. He's not even hashtag heat culture. No, wow. Oh man. There are some that have said on Twitter that like another free agent butler could uh, another free agent blunder could actually be giving Harden a an ex, a max extension. Yeah. I I I tend to disagree with that notion just because if you don't max harden and you can't get something for him like e- either way you're kind of like tied to this bearded gentleman yeah man it's tough I- i'm kind of ambivalent like i i would t- i would say that right now to me there's like a 58 62 percent chance hardens out of here what we do you love percentages that? on this podcast do you think that's too high like 38 percent chance he stays 
or too low? I just feel like I just in my heart, I feel like James really wants to go back to Houston. Like I I feel that in my bones. Like he really wants to go back to Houston, despite the fact that the younger players on the Rockets right now are like, yo, why are you going to bring this guy in here? He's going to stunt my growth here. Like, that's not cool. Yeah, I don't think anyone anyone in on the Rockets would be excited about it, except maybe a couple veterans like Eric Gordon, right? No, he's not even there anymore. So maybe if P.J. Tucker went with him somehow, I don't know. I don't see it from their side whatsoever. See, I'm just I'm just now warming up to PJ Tucker, and you're talking about trading him in the offseason with with James Harden. Just like, damn, Dave. I I just started. You wanted me to enjoy this man all season long, and now that I have, you're just like, all right, he can probably go too. Well, don't they seem like such a pair in your eyes where PJ might say, ah, you know what? Now I'm kind of feeling Houston too. Probably. Well. You know, if Joel says, I really want Harden back, and it does sound like that's his feeling. There were, I mean, there was a report, there were whispers that Joe could get a wandering eye if they can't keep Harden. And even after how terribly Harden played uh, after a couple of those final games, Joe and, and Joe, Joe was like, James and I can't do it alone. And even Dame Lillard was like, huh? Like, Maxi was the one carrying you guys in a couple of those instances really was um, <laughs> and it's like james wasn't there he he had a terrible he was good enough to help you win three games he wasn't good enough to help you win the fourth unless you want to blame tobias melton uh joel all going like over 13 from three in game six so uh, they were at uh, once they were at once so close and at once so far that's why, <laughs> that's why i'm ambivalent here uh, well, it's it's once again, I, I we repeat this every year. We don't like to repeat it every year, but it's going to be another fun offseason. I hate to phrase it that way, but that that's where we are as Sixers fans. It's unfortunate. It's sad. It's depressing. It was a but lot more it. fun to go through Halliburton and Fox trades for Ben than it is. Oh, this. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, come training camp, we're, we're right back in here on that on that Sixers narcotic. So, you know what? It, it we, We're gluttons for punishment, folks. I don't know what to tell you. The best hope that I have is Joel always gets better in the offseason. And so even if he doesn't improve his skills, maybe watching Butler coast that hard through this regular season, winding up a playing team, and then just going gangbusters, torching the playoffs, knowing that Joel loves Jimmy. Maybe he'll say, you know what? I got my MVP. You and I have said this for like three straight years now, but maybe he would take a different approach and say, the regular season isn't as important. I know that early in my career, missing those two seasons made me want to be a full-time player and prove to everyone I don't have to be a Kawhi Leonard. But I, I got to have one of those signature playoff runs. If I can't even make it out of the first round, whether it's a freak injury or a not freak, I tried to dunk when my shoulder hurt and I landed on someone's leg trying to block him from behind. I mean, those are not freak injuries, What he the way he got hurt this year. Yeah. You can't have it. You can't have it. So you got to know, like, we're up 2-0. We can probably win. The, we won game four without me. We can beat the Nets <laughs> team without me taking these dives for blocks. Uh, my hope is that he's seeing what Jimmy's doing and and puts things into perspective for him. 
fingers crossed. We'll just have to wait and see what happens when training camp kicks back up in uh, September, October. But in the meantime, always read the site, libertyballers.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adil B. Royster. You can follow David on Twitter at David Early. Follow the site at Liberty underscore Ballers. All kinds of NBA Finals content, Sixers offseason content. It's all there for you. Uh, so just click and enjoy. Also, remember to listen to the other podcasts of the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always putting out great stuff as well. And yeah, just consume all the Sixers content that you feel you need this offseason. Yeah. Dave, we got some good stuff up there about stay or go. Guys like Jalen McDaniels, George Nian coming out soon, Shake Milton, Paul Reed. And we're going to be profiling and asking fans, should they stay or should they go? And looking at some of the cap ramifications of each. So definitely go check that out. I'm actually looking forward to the George Niang one. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're allowed to spoil it, but do you, do you know who's writing that one? I'm on that one. Oh, sweet, fantastic! I got a, All right. I got a lot of uh, cap details from Tapork. You know, you know, I love a little bang bang George Niang action, Dave. You know, this. hey man, he showed up in Game Six. He was there. He put us up 69-65 with 13 and a half to go. For, for those of you that are waiting for my should Furkan Korkma stay or go, like it's a really short piece, so it's really not necessary for me to write it. The answer is probably unequivocally no. Uh, <laughs> so that's unfortunate for me, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cook up something else. Someone, someone posted on Twitter, Furkan under Nick Nurse, and it was Reggie Miller shoving Jordan hitting a game-winning three. <laughs> thought that was funny. That is genius. Yeah. Whoever came up with that. That was genius. I, I, I got to find I, that user. I, I, I love you for that. Like, uh, forward me that because that, that's <laughs> just incredible. That is incredible. Until next week, Sixers fans, we're out of here. Always trust the process and good times ahead. Hopefully we got our coach. Maybe we get a Van Vliet in here too, and we'll see what happens there. But until How then. How you get your Nick Nurse hat? uh um it, it's on back order actually so nice. I, have to, I have to wait for that to come in it's nice it's a it's it's a clean black red and white solid i did custom colors it's gonna be nice it's gonna look nice Ooh, on nice. me in this it's gonna look nice on me in october i'm gonna have to see if they have the trucker versions yes okay. <laughs> until next week a deal racer david early liberty ballers we're out of here What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower.